Alright everyone, welcome back. This is episode number 46 of the Soft Wide Vlogcast. We are coming close to season one end. Season one ends at number 50, according to the research and development team. Then what? We get a break? I will have to talk to my partners and see uh, what Google wants to do. Mm. But uh, it's a pleasure to have you, man. It's Once again, we are back in the booth. You made me laugh when you tell me it's a pleasure having me. Like I I'm a guest in my own goddamn house. Yeah, that's why I do it. Because I feel like, you know, <laughs> that reminds me of something I told you yesterday, which is kind of funny. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is. It's a pleasure to have you every time. That's a good thing, though. It's a pleasure to have you. <laughs> nah, Welcome to my set. No, no, it's not your set. What are, we, what are you sipping on? Me? Yeah. I got nothing, man. It's first time. All right. Well, episode number 46. How, how have you enjoyed the ride of all these, all these episodes? Is it like how you planned? I didn't really have a plan. No, it's definitely not. There's supposed to be a whole lot more vlogging. Mm. The idea was it was a merge between a podcast and a vlog. Mm. We just never got... Well, now we can't can't vlog anything. Not even going outside. I mean, we could. We just, you know, be non-poker related. It'll just be inside. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about poker. People still want to. People, there's still an uptick in online. Still, uh, do you think that there is a chance that this goes away? So, I was kind of thinking about it today. I was like, okay. New York, New Jersey got extended to May 15th now. That probably means the rest of the country might follow suit, given that that's one of the most populated areas. Um, if they opened and everyone else is done. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I was like, okay, what will happen when they open, when we open back up? I don't think people are going to go to the casino. That's not going to be the first place they're going to rush to. They're not going to rush to casinos, movie theaters, concerts. That's not, that's not what's going to happen. So then I'm like, okay, well, I think we might see this online trend this online boom stay for a little while and it seems like acr and a lot of these players are are doing pretty well because of it phil galfon's doing well phil galfon's doing amazingly well let's I, I mean yeah that's a that's a separate topic i mean that guy's i i didn't mean you know i didn't mean to undercut you um yeah no i i think the online boom quote unquote will maintain for as long as people aren't concerned about the long term. Like those who aren't forecasting appropriately that don't feel financial pressure in the short term may be occupying their time gambling online, but it shouldn't take long before it becomes clear that we're in a massive economic downturn. Mm. Uh, I don't even think it'll be an option to go to casinos and concerts and things like that. Like, even if the self-quarantine is lifted in mid-May, which I don't necessarily think it will be, gatherings over 50 certainly is going to extend past mid-May. And yeah, that's fair. as long as that's true, then populated areas such as casinos, concert halls, and, and things of that nature uh, are, are still going to for sure be closed. Like I don't think sport's going to come back until fall. Right. At the earliest. Right. A lot of a lot of the sports have been saying like they're gonna play in fanless stadiums, like it's just gonna be, you know, broadcasted and things like that. Mm -hmm. I think that's an option. I think, however, like the teams probably do lose a fair amount of money in this in, in that exchange. Although I'm not sure how the contracts work with the networks. Like they're probably still making I mean, like with baseball, it's all in their T V contract. Right. They they make nothing out of out of stadiums. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure that's not like a big portion of their revenue, but there's a lot of employment. And yeah. things like that, that that they do provide. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious how this whole thing is going to pan out in a couple months. I mean, obviously, I think it's becoming more and more clear that WSOP will not be a thing this summer. Yeah, I think whoever bet on that, they probably won. I wish I bet on that. I feel like that was such a lock. Like it's like you know, I I don't know, man. I mean, they got laid huge prices. I, I don't think people projected this to be as bad as it was going to be. I mean, and rightfully so. Like, we've had other pandemics that didn't have this le level of impact. The, the, the main difference here with COVID versus all of the others that we've seen, SARS and swine flu and others in the last decade. The Nile virus. Yeah. Uh, it, the, the main difference. I was difference, afraid to go outside. Why? 
Because it was a mosquito thing. So what? Uh, there was a lake near my house. So what? I mean, that's scary. Oh my gosh. It's like you play a game where probabilities are what drive your decisions every single minute. Yeah, but I could just stay home and my decisions I mean, are the same. Sure. You could also just not gamble for a living. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> but like with those other pandemics that we saw uh, come through, the difference was that there was no asymptomatic period. And the problem with, with COVID is that you're asymptomatic for such a long period of time that the amount of uh, exponential spread that takes place allows it to the point where it's like, you know, we're all in massive threat and danger. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is really unique in the sense that the only way to truly slow it is to just like completely keep our distance from one another. And that serves a big problem economically. So you're not afraid? Of getting the virus? No. You're investing in gold? No. Digital gold? No. Why, are you Why am I investing in gold? I'm not investing in money. Liquidity is king right now. That's what I'm saying. Digital gold. You're in, you're in Bitcoin. You're in there. Yeah, that's not liquidity. Yeah. Well, it's easy to get out. She's a... <laughs> For now, if there's <laughs> a right. rush to the bottom, you're going to be left holding a bunch of digital nothing. All right. So you spoke. You brought up Phil Goffon. So now, you know, this is an exchange. So I have to... You, know, mm. you wanted to steer the ship that way. I just want to make sure you didn't forget. It's Phil Goffon. How can I forget? <laughs> you can't forget about Phil Goffon. Obviously, you know, an incredible comeback. One of you and I both celebrated when when he did when he yeah. did win. You know, it was like it was like oh my god, he did it. You know, it was it was one of the most epic things that I've watched happen in our industry that so few people actually cared about. It's weird, right? It, it, well, yeah. I would say the mainstream casual fan didn't care i think if you're in poker if you're a professional yeah, yeah. no of course you definitely knew what was going that's why on. i say so few though because mm. you know you're talking about i think they had like twenty five thousand viewers at peak right that's a subset of the the community as a whole it might be even a large subset it might be like a quarter of the community but even still it's like this should have garnered attention from non-community people mm. like people who are just bored like and ESPN want to entertain yeah, I, I mean, like, you know, I was talking to Ingram about this privately and stuff. And some of it was like, well, the packaging wasn't necessarily great for mainstream. Uh, they don't know what PLO is. They don't know about the challenge. They don't know yada, yada, yada. It's like, yeah, but it's such an easy sell. Like, I only watched the final two uh, matches. Mm -hmm. I only watched whenever it was, uh, I guess, like 2,000 hands left to play or whatever. And he was down 45,000 or something like that. Uh near the end of the next to last match. And I watched like the last 90 minutes where he just went on this epic tear to reduce it to minus 8,000 for the mm -hmm. entire challenge. Mm -hmm. And then I obviously tuned in for the final thousand hands. And it's like this element of with each hand that's played, the, the uh, red number alters, right? So like now you're against a ticking clock where with every hand that gets played, if Phil's not making money on that hand, not only is it increasing his deficit, but it's also increasing the gap yeah. between when this match finally ends. And so it's basically reducing his opportunity. And it was so fascinating to like watch how each of them navigated this. You don't need to know that much about strategy just to understand like what's actually happening. So I have two I have two talking points. The first one being is poker outside of no limit hold'em simply just not marketable and i'm saying that because the players the players championship used to just change to no limit hold'em at the final table at the end yeah for tv purposes mm -hmm. right so it makes it seem like all other games are just not really digestible by the common folk right if you don't really know like what stud eight is you yeah. don't really under you can't follow and there's like cards up and there's cards down like okay the second point is that there was some rumblings on the internet about phil goffman being a bitch what i i sent it to you don't act surprised <laughs> <laughs> and it was there's there's that take it's not like it's one random dude he has hundreds of thousands of dollars in earnings. He's, he's a professional. He's part of the community. I think he should get his right to speak. And I'm sure that he's representative <laughs> of other people. He's representative of who? 
of his people. There's people out there that are like, I'm a real sports fan. Like you I gotta tell you, man, anybody who who claims that something done in the heat of battle that is within the 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 realm of fair play is quote unquote a bitch move. All right. This is the best <laughs> this is the best argument. I I don't agree with him, but I'm gonna argue his side because I okay. think you know he needs a seat at the table. If you are a, if you are a boxer and you won eleven rounds, yeah, do you run the twelfth round or do you give the guy a shot to knock you out? I you, think you I think, obviously run the twelfth round, but I don't think they do that. Who? I who? don't think people do that. Name me one boxer <laughs> who doesn't just play defense in that scenario. Manny Pacquiao made a career out of it. So is Floyd Mayweather. Nah, Manny, don't disrespect Manny. Manny fights, man. Neither one of them knock people out. I don't know. I think Manny they just sit there out. and they just dance. That's exactly what it is. It's 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 a science, right? It's like you know they call it the sweet science for a reason. Mm. It's a strategy. You get up enough on the scorecard where you've taken it out of the judge's hands, and now you just play defense. <sighs> Imagine this. This is the best comparison that nobody wanted to talk about. Okay. In golf, when you're playing like... Uh, I'm not super familiar with golf, but I used to play a lot of Tiger Woods golf back in the day. So it's match play, I believe. When you're playing match play, right. um, you can get somebody dormy, right? When they're dormy, it means that you're up enough holes... So if say you're Dormy Four, you know Dormy sounds crazy. <laughs> Dormy sounds like some Bill Cosby shit. Like real talk, like Dormy's crazy. Like what do you mean you're Dormy? You getting somebody Dormy? Like I don't know about that, bro. I don't know. I, I didn't say Roofy. It sounds like some Roofy. Sh- I don't know. I said Dormy. Mm. So like if you have somebody Dormy Four, it means that there are four holes left to play, and you're up by four holes. So the best they can do is tie. Right. Okay. Now imagine if. At that point, when you had somebody dormy and the match should end, right? So with four left to play, you're up by five, game over, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine if instead of it ending, the person who was up by five holes said, okay, let's switch the stroke play for the last five or the last four to give right, you a right. sporting chance. Okay. That would be insane. Why would you ever change the metric by which we're keeping score suddenly after you have the game won? Now, don't get me wrong. I think it would have been one of the dumbest yet badass things in the world if it would have just been like, hey, let's play. Let's play, yeah. <laughs> but I would have been disappointed too because if he would have came all the way back to win and then said like, oh, let's play out the last 35 hands and then lost, it would have been so anti I think what's not. I think what's also not fair is, you know, we can – we don't know for certain, but we understand if you're in, you're in high stakes, you understand how these things work. It's very likely Phil Goffon does not have 100% of himself. And it's unfair for his investors to, like, him say, like, I'm just going to play. Like, when there's a clear strategic line where he just right. wins. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's really unfair. I think it could be the exact opposite way. I think that not only could he have a full 100% of himself, I think he could have, like, two or 300% of himself. You have to remember that... As the match progressed, the line kept moving on poker shares. Mm-hmm. So he could have been betting himself yeah. at like a massive dog. Yeah, for sure. At points where like he's getting laid two or three to one. Yeah. Where yeah. he's laying, you know, two to one to, to Vetti Vitti. So like Phil might have had seven figures in action here mm-hmm. that like, I mean, this is all much to do about nothing. Like the fact that this is the discussion is such a disappointment by comparison to the feat that this guy pulled off. Oh, for sure. Like the impossible, just cutting the deficit down was going to be the biggest win that he could have asked for over the last 10,000 hands that they had to play or whatever the case may be. Some conspiracy theories out there saying that (laughs) it was, it was all a plan to promote run at once. And yeah, I heard that Benny Vitti is actually Farrah Galfond. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's all a big hoax and we're just trying to promote the site and people have done things for less. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't understand. First of all, what promotion? Like, not, the big like, talking point here is that this didn't get nearly enough press. 
Yeah. This should have been on ESPN. There are no sports going on right now. Mm. This literally should not have been on Twitch. It should have been on ESPN. They have nothing else to cover. They are telecasting marble racing right now. Do you think that's our fault? Do you think that yes. is, do you think that's poker's fault? Of course. Fault? We're not pushing, I've we're been not saying pushing this, the excitement. I've been saying this from day one of the vlogcast. Our media outlets suck. We have no alignment whatsoever when it comes to poker media. Mm. 12 years ago, when Dirt issued the Jungle Man Challenge, it was pumped out through every single media source imaginable. Mm -hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. like it, it fell flat, and it never made it to the ranks of ESPN. But also, at that point in time, it ESPN was right. broadcasting 10 or 12 WSOP events throughout the course of the year. For sure. Right? We have zero alignment now. We literally have a handful of media outlets that are simply for-profit. Right, so all they're doing is churning out more and more and more and more advertisements that are effectively shining lights on sponsors within the community. That's it. Hmm. You know, it's not cranking out strategy anymore. It's not cranking out uh, the highlighting of the best of the best in the community. It's not cranking out the most newsworthy stuff necessarily. We've just turned into this industry that's completely disjointed. Do you think it is? Some of it was the players are not, I would say, for lack of a better word, mysterious or grandiose or, you know, they're not as mysterious as Phil Ivey, not as grandiose as a, as a Daniel Negreanu, something like that. It's more like Phil Goffon who's like a philosopher of poker and a bot, you know. Is yeah. that, do you think that's part of why the reason why people don't care? If this was Phil Ivey versus Daniel Negreanu and Phil Ivey was coming back from a million and we're down to a thousand hands, do you think we see a hundred thousand people tune in? I don't know. What What do you think Rory, Rory McElroy's personality is like? I don't know. What about Bubba Watson? I know. Uh, no. I what about know. Sergio Garcia, right? Yeah, yeah. What do you, it doesn't matter. Right. They're just performing, right? Yeah. Like, Sure, you build the character narrative of it, but that's built in because it's it's a clear hero zero dynamic that occurred mm -hmm. whenever it went minus nine hundred. Yeah, right. Yeah. If this has just been a close match the whole way, it's pretty anticlimactic. So, do you think it's our fault though? Then for okay, is it then just the pros didn't push it? No, it has nothing to do with that. It's the disconnect between mainstream media and professional poker. Mm -hmm. The way that this gets packaged to mainstream media, especially in a time where there are literally no sports. Yeah. ESPN should be knocking on the fucking door of any content creator in the poker space right now. Saying, what do you got? Can we package this in a way that is big enough that we can put it on TV? All right, well... I guess we'll knock on their door. They're they're in Connecticut. We're in Vegas. I'll be like, hey, we got poker out loud. Put it on TV. Right. People care. Look at headphones. No one can hear you. Everyone can see what you can see the cards and you can hear the thoughts. Never been done before. Check, please. Yeah. I, you know, that's a good idea, Berkey. You know? I agree. That is Bristol, a good idea. Connecticut. Here we come. But my point is, is that the way that this should have been packaged is for the first I don't know how long it took. What, 27 days or something like that leading up to the final couple matches? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe a little bit longer, maybe 45 days. There should have just been highlights made of every single session up until that point. There was. Very, was right, it, right. But digestible. Mm -hmm. I mean, like mainstream highlights, digestible things, right? Literally something that's just going to show me the ebbs and flows of the match. The ups and the downs. That's it. I don't care about... Yeah. The specific hands. I don't care about who's on which side of it. All we're doing is we're starting a narrative, right? right. 100K here, 100K there. Yeah. 100K here. Yeah, yeah. And and you're building the character line along with it, right? Like Phil has another, like you do that and all of a sudden it's like the report is like, okay, day six, Phil loses again, right? Mm -hmm. And that's it. It's just this quick 30 second summary, right? Just a quick clip that news outlets can grab a hold of. Now, by the time we land on session 29 or whatever it was that, that ultimately arrived at, there's suspense. You have people following along, mm -hmm. maybe only loosely, maybe they're only looking at numbers, but like they're, they're engaged enough to the point where they recognize something epic is potentially happening here. I don't fucking care about golf. I don't care about tennis, right. but I've watched the Masters Sunday. 
I watch the Grand Open or Grand Slams, mm-hmm. right? It's just like whenever you get to the finals, when you get to this high pressure moment, you can engage anybody. Right. It's like Super Bowl and yeah. finals. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing. People tune in for those big moments of, right. of high pressure, elite elite players battling and and there's a climactic moment where something has to happen. And I lean on like golf and tennis because they're they're mano y mano and they have a clear endpoint. So like specifically golf, it's measurable, right? You can figure out with two holes or four holes or five holes left to play, who's the favorite, who's the dog, how close is this, like how neck and neck is it? You can feel the tension because it's palpable, right? Mm. Whenever you have like a one stroke lead with four or five holes left on a master Sunday and there's only one person within within distance of you, it's a shot for shot thing. And you can kind of feel that, you know what I mean? It's like you you know that the next person to crack is going to be the one that fails. And that's what we watched in this Gelfon challenge. Like it was palpable watching these these pots yeah. where it's like, you know, it would get three bet pre and you're just like, this could, this could end this it. Could be it. Yeah. This could literally end it. He could cross the threshold here where Vedi Vidi is just up so much. Like, he has to win this pot. Otherwise, it's over. Huh. Hmm. So, I'm trying to think. So, okay. In sports, there is ESPN, Fox Sports Net, NBC Sports. I would say there's probably a couple that I'm not, that I'm not uh, you know, getting yeah, yeah, right sure. away. Right. What... There, we don't have that, right? Besides, we have to kind of think like, okay, poker news, but they're not a network, right? Um, poker central, but they are a private network where it's well, all of them are private networks, but like, this is a private paywall network, right? Right? So, they don't really have incentive to just like, well, maybe they do, but it seems as if like people aren't going to pay ten dollars to, to like see phil golf on even if it were free just the restriction i think of like it being in the dark corners of the internet make it difficult so then you think that twitch is just not enough right i think these platforms aren't widespread enough Mm -hmm. is the problem right so it's like the difference between it being on well i don't even know that i can say that confidently but i was going to say the difference between it being on espn go versus poker go Mm. Probably is like 10x viewership. Probably though. I would assume ESPN is pretty big. But the reason I I say I can't say that confidently is because I don't really know that the WSOP final tables that used to be on ESPN Go performed all that well. Well, it's the same thing in terms of packaging. Right. There is no package. It's just like, okay, well, we had a tournament and Mm. now it's here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, There is no lead up. There's no drama. There's no like. Right. Like that's the thing. If this is on ESPN and it gets a, a 30 second segment at night uh each night leading up so would you say sorry to cut you off would you say this would be like this match should have at least leading into the final match should have been kind of packaged as like a prize fight almost yeah this is like a prize fight this is literally like two heavyweights and it's like a boxing match it's like you have a a virtual weigh-in like you get their thoughts are you gonna beat them like blah 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 and then like they play yeah, and then everyone's watching for yeah. a, you know. A but minute. there's no marketing machine driving it. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. The only person incentivized to do this solely would be Phil. Right. But first of all, it's not his style. He's very humble by nature, so he's not gonna like you know put an entire marketing team. I saw, him, I saw him flex a little bit though. I'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> but but even if he were in like, even if he were looking to cast that wide net to the general populace and try to to cross those grounds. It would be a really big undertaking to find like a marketing team that could do this similar to, I mean, basically we should be looking at like the UFC model and how Mm. they grew because they never leaned on ESPN or anything of that nature, but they went to the third parties. They went to like Spike and Mm -hmm. Fox and yeah. And then they got their own like UFC app. Right. Right, they did it. They did it right. That's that's always been my big fear with uh, Poker Go's business model is that it makes sense to go behind a paywall after you've scaled, mm-hmm. like after you've hit mainstream, mainstream uh, through like broad strokes, where you understand that there's a huge audience for this. Then funneling some function or some portion of that audience to a paid uh, piece of content makes right. sense. 
but we don't have the free leaders. So like, I, I don't know how we acquire new, new eyeballs in this regard. If the only way that they're going to get good content is to be paying for it. It's tough because there, some people would argue there are free leaders. We have this podcast on YouTube. There's a, there's vlogs, there's Twitch streamers. Like people would say those are the free. There's a lot of free podcasts, but nothing, nothing that any of us are putting out is good enough for TV. Mm. Poker go stuff is good enough for for TV. Right. So that's what you're saying. It's, yeah. it's, it has to be good enough for a major broadcast, not necessarily a digestible, like I'm on my phone, like chilling and, and stuff like right. That. Don't get me wrong. Like that stuff is all very critical too in, you know, building brands and uh, further facilitating, entertaining your audience, but they want to feel like they are like watching the real deal. Right. It's different. So I, I'm trying, I, I really like the analogy you made with UFC because, you know, I've, I've followed, I've followed UFC for, for a couple of years, not as much anymore, but they have a lot of similarities. They, they have podcasts as well mm -hmm. that talk about fights coming up and like strategies that players are going to employ with former players or even, I mean, former fighters or even current fighters on it. And it's like a weekly thing. Like yeah. they, right. They also have like training camps that you see like on YouTube, like they're going to like, you see that yeah. you see an inside. That all started on TV camp. first though. Right, but they don't, that's right. Even if they did start on TV, like people don't expect that on TV anymore. Like right, the right. average consumer is already thinking, okay, if I want to see their training camp, I'm just going to go on YouTube. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so they have these leaders, as you say, on YouTube, on other platforms, podcasts, training camps, like all like interviews, all these things. And then their major broadcast, you know, their, their card on Saturday is now on either ESPN or the UFC app or things like that. So very similar to what you're saying, like a lot of these things like are just used YouTube and, you know, free content things, but the major platforms are, your argument is very valid that it's just not packaged. Right. Right. And we have a lot of different avenues for that. Um, you know, and the golf on challenge is one of them. Yeah. I, I think that like all that, all those free things that UFC, for example, offers either on YouTube or on their app or whatever the case may be are retention metrics, right? They're what's utilized in order to keep their current audience engaged enough to get them to the next event. Right. And that's all very necessary. But they, they're not acquisition models. The acquisition model has to be the everyman being able to stumble upon it at any given time, right? Like they're it's a late night and they're bored and they're just flicking through the channels and it's on. That's how I got into poker, for sure. Yeah. 100%. It was on Channel 4 and I saw some white kid with a black button up. Or button down, however you call it. Big debate there. Um, with uh with a button up, and he was just like and I was like, Who's that? That was twenty thousand dollars. And that's that's how now I'm here, you know, and then he's in China. Sure. So never meet your heroes. I never met that's the one person I haven't met in poker and I refuse to meet him. Durr? Durr, man. <laughs> I'm not gonna meet him, man. Everyone else I met, it was big big disappointment. Except you, Matt Berkey. Sure. You've been great. Mm -hmm. Um all right, let's change subjects. I do want to talk a little bit about this tweet that I threw. I don't know if you saw it yet, actually. I've been working. haven't been on the Twitters. Good, good. It says, Olivier Bousquet. Oh, you, I retweeted it. This is funny. You study and you learn. There are the best combos. These are the best combos to call with. These combos block these value hands. These combos unblock these bluffs. Great. You're excited to use what you've learned. Then you play and nobody ever bluffs. But right under that, my man Evan underscore SS6 says in a separate tweet, unrelated to Olivier Bousquet, says, if you can't crush soft player pools because no one bluffs, you're, an, you're the idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's really ironic. They were both 14 hours apart. They probably don't know each other. They're probably not friends. But the world brought them together in sure. unity for my man Pads to screenshot and tweet it. So who, who's right? What's going on? I think they're what? both very valid points. Really? Because they seem very far apart. This is <laughs> <laughs> they, they both seem like the complete opposite spectrum. Like you can't say red and blue and then you're like, they're both right. I mean, do you think, do you think uh, Game Theory Optimal and Exploitative Play are both correct? Correct is such a loaded term. 
Okay, do you think they're... Well, you asked me which which is right. How can I not use correct? They're both... That's such a loaded term. You know, correct is in the eye of the beholder. You know, it's like beauty. That's a bullshit answer. <laughs> I think they're both applicable, yeah. Yeah, well, same thing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olivia's point is... you, And I, I think that, like, it's a fun one because I think it's the, the hamster wheel that a lot of the community right now who's trying to train them themselves to get better are running where it's like you're only understanding the game through this lens of balance mm. and then you get thrust into an imbalanced environment and you're just like this doesn't look like what i studied and that's evan's point mm. if you're not winning in soft player pools because you're so obsessed with getting the answer correct according to the litmus test then you're the idiot like just look around you of if they're not bluffing guess what they're doing a hell of a lot of other things that are really bad you think Evan was calling Olivia an idiot? I don't think. I like mean, indirectly, like in the in the wind. No, like <laughs> no, because I don't think Olivia's tweet necessarily reads as "I'm not winning" or "I can't win." Mm-hmm. It's just more the sense of frustration where it's like I find myself in spots where I do what I believe to be theoretically sound, and I get punished for it because they're always at top. Do you think that's a common problem? Do you think that? So there was this thing many, a couple of years ago, maybe five years ago called herd balance where it's like, you're not balanced, but the pool is balanced, AKA the herd, meaning you're getting calls based on the fact that the pool does something in this situation. Mm. Do you think that's still applicable? Because it seems like that's the case. Like Olivia is saying, I have these cards in my hand that unblock your bluffs. So I call when I have these when I have these cards. But if you don't bluff, then I still lose even though I contain these cards. Right. So you think that's a do you think that's a common kind of circular kind of logic thing where it's like what what do you do then? Yeah. Help me. <laughs> well, that's, well, that's the thing. At some point you have to accept that uh not all environments are kind. Right? At some point you have to accept that GTO breaks under the 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 weight of irrational actors and irrational environments and i don't mean that it breaks in the sense that it loses mm. i mean that it breaks in the sense that it's not the most profitable strategy any longer and that's really what i think olivier is speaking to it's not that he's not making money it's that he's recognizing he could be making a lot more money if he disobeyed what the book tells him to do and now it becomes a, a matter of trying to juggle when to deviate versus when to play according to, to theory. Uh, and I think that the, the challenge for most is theory was nice because it took away the accountability factor. You no longer had to be accountable to your own biases and your own processes or anything along those lines. All you had to do was follow the guidelines of what you were supposed to be studying, not recognizing that you're going to implement it poorly anyway. Mm. Right. So I think we're arriving at a point where people are beginning to understand, even if I could mimic perfectly what the solver is doing, I could also just take advantage of the fact that I perceive people to be a certain way and they've proven to me enough that they are acting accordingly. Therefore, I can take a deviation that's going to allow me to make more money. When do we make the switch? Well, I don't think it's a switch thing because I think what people aren't acknowledging is that they're not theoretically sound anyway. Mm. The, like, but how about someone like Olivia? Probably is closer to. Closer to what though? Closer to the to the whole Closer story. to being more theoretically sound than the average? Absolutely. Right. For sure. Closer to being as theoretical as the solver? Not a chance. It's not even going to be in the same ballpark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's just like... If you recognize that your comprehension of this game is limited by the bandwidth of our brains, just our inability to process large data the way that a a machine does, and the fact that no matter how hard we try, we're still going to keep those biases. If we just recognize then that we fall on some sort of exploitative spectrum where the best we can hope for is calibrating those exploits in some sort of intelligible way, then you give up the idea of searching for the Holy grail and like being obedient to um, blockers or, or 
you know, unblock you, whatever. Like it's, it's all relative. Those characteristics are only important if a decision is so close that you can't find any other means to an end. Right. But like we can look at it in a much more zoomed out perspective. We can mm -hmm. look at bet sizing and we can start to infer things immediately by the choice of sizings that people take. And we can recognize that no matter how much or how little they know about the game, if they're selecting certain sizes on certain textures, they are naturally imbalanced. And then from there, we kind of get to operate in a much more calibrated way, assuming we guess which way they're imbalanced right, or, or assuming we guess which way they're imbalanced correctly. But the, that guess is driven by texture, right? right? So if somebody's choosing a size that's way too large on a dynamic texture, it's more likely that they're going to be imbalanced towards value than it is bluffs because the the bluffs on dynamic textures are really high in equity anyway, right? Mm -hmm. But if they bet way too large on king deuce deuce, then they probably just have way too many bluffs. Right. They're probably not sorting through which hands to be betting large with, which hands to bet small, right. or like you know, if they sh now that they're betting large, they shouldn't bet their entire range. But I think what you did there, in terms of understanding that when they bet large on the dynamic texture, they're weighted one way. When they bet large on the static texture, they're weighted another way. That's a little bit of you kind of understanding the psychology of how people think in certain spots. Yeah, rather, I agree. Right? So I have this struggle even with like clients of mine and people I work with. They're, they're just like, well, I don't, I'm not at that. Like, I can't think how people think right like i'm not because some of the some people are just not people people like they're not they're not social geniuses you know they're <laughs> what <laughs> love that word they, they're not like someone that is going that can put take themselves out of the equation and mm -hmm. say okay what will this person try to accomplish here on this board yeah and, and this is why they're choosing this best because they're trying to accomplish this thing people that's not a common trait, at least. But I don't think it's necessary. Hmm. So I agree that I, I probably have an advantage in being able to do that because I think I understand risk pretty well in accordance to like the profiles of people that I'm up against. But I don't think that that's necessary. I think what's necessary is recognizing what the equilibrium should look like hmm. in a particular spot. Hmm. And then just understanding that if ranges are wide, they're likely imbalanced towards bluffs. If ranges tend to be tight or super high in equity, then they're they're more likely to be imbalanced towards value, mm. right? It, it really is just, that's how theory is applicable. That's how understanding game theory and the principles that drive it can be now traversed into uh, an exploitative mindset, right? So it's about thinking theoretically and then acting exploitatively in the ways that we identify the exploits that our opponents are projecting onto us because they're also continually making mistakes, right? If Olivier isn't any closer to being balanced in accordance to solver strategy than the next guy, then that's certainly true of everybody who's lesser understood than Olivier, right? People who have done no, no study mm. or just aren't as intelligent as him or aren't as studied as him or whatever the case may be, right? So there's this massive spectrum of people who are just shooting in the dark, hoping to hit a target. Okay. Party poker, taking some chances, putting names onto, onto the felt and saying like, you know, we're not going to use aliases for certain, certain poker masters tournaments. Some people didn't like that. We saw some, uh, some tweets from chance saying like, you know, it's a little bit unfair. Then we saw some tweets from... Why is it unfair? Well, he said, you know, people, you might have reads on certain people. Um, and now that, you know, they know that this is you and you are them, they might play differently. It's a little bit giving up some edges. That's not... But that's not defined through fairness. It's obviously fair. Well... The same information is available to everybody. That's the definition of fair. Okay, well... I don't want to throw my man under the bus, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna read the tweet. I'm gonna read the tweet because that's what we do here. We're very uh, we're everything. All right, Chance Corneth, my man. He's my friend, so don't go too hard. He's my friend. 
I'm really surprised Party Poker would change to real names last minute. What about players who sold action based on them knowing tendencies of the screen names in the player pool? I personally unbooked action I bought due to this change and won't let horses play anymore. Okay. Sounds like a good business decision by him if he thinks that's how his horses were winning. But uh, I don't think Party Poker cares. And I definitely don't think Party Poker has any obligation for sure to care um, no i mean for sure it, I, think, I think anonymity is if anything less fair mm -hmm. than everybody's screen names being available yeah yeah right i mean like the the true fairness is everybody having equal information mm -hmm. or having the ability to garner equal information yeah that i feel like that's always been the thing right where it's one person knows who this person is and the other person doesn't know who the other person is, right. you know? And it's like, there's this, it, you know, asymmetry, asymmetry on what, like the information gathering process, right? Mm -hmm. It seems there's also people that think it's a really good thing. I saw Chrissy B say that she really enjoyed it. And then party poker made the decision to keep it through, uh, the next power fest, like all real names. Do you think this is a trend that should catch on? Do you think we see WSOP say, okay, instead of Chin I am, it's going to be Christian Soto instead of Berkey. I mean, that's the thing. Like our names are kind of our names. Yeah. Um, but there's other people that we'll, we don't have, we have no idea, right? We have no idea who OTB Red Baron on WSOP is. I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. So there's an information asymmetry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, is that it probably doesn't matter, but there is certainly value to knowing who people are by comparison to not. But it, how about the argument of like, you're playing WCP.com, all of a sudden you're playing 510, maybe you move up to 1020, and then all of a sudden you see a screen name that's no longer a screen name, and it's like Ben Affleck. Mm -hmm. Is that fair for him? Um, why not? It's a major name. Maybe he doesn't want to be seen playing poker. Maybe he doesn't want people to know that he lost 50000 to you last night. You know, maybe all of a sudden it's on the reports and the news, I, I news week. I agree from the loser's perspective. Yeah. And all of a sudden Newsweek's like, oh, Ben Affleck loses 50000 to famous podcaster and professional poker player <laughs> Matt Berkey. But how good is that for the industry? Right? At some point we have to stop trying to... Uh, we have to we have to stop thinking that the smallest little thing is going to set off the dead money in mm. the in the industry. I think everybody's trying to apply a tourniquet to something that's not bleeding. Um, loose money in the industry comes because it wants to come, mm. like they want to play, and yeah, they appreciate perks. But I've always said this: uh, whenever I first started playing in the private games, uh, it was a trend that I kind of noticed, and it was one that I didn't think was sustainable, and it ultimately did kind of blow up in JRB's face a little bit where uh Ooh, insights into the big game. People love this part. <laughs> well, my my whole thing was that like you can't let the inmates run the asylum, right? So he put on a great game. He ensured that uh it was always a, a fun, jovial environment. People were always respectful. They had money. Nobody came in and took pot shots and like short stacked the game or anything like there was a certain code of conduct that was constructed anytime you sat in that game. And that's all you can offer. Right, as a host, in my opinion, anyway, when you're talking about catering to, um, you know, your 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 fun players, your VIPs, whatever the case may be, and it became this thing where every day he was juggling the demands of a different VIP, mm. and they would contradict with the demands of a of another VIP. Yeah, right, of course, I don't want this guy to play. I don't want this guy right. to play. Whatever. So now you end up in this weird conundrum where it's like all of these guys are good for the game. Some of them won't play together. Others are trying to muscle in their horses. Others are trying to leverage this, that, or the other. And it ultimately just arrives at a point where it's just like, you're giving them too much leash. You're, you're, you're just offering them too much demand when you have the supply. Mm. You have what they need. They need a fix. They need to play high stakes, no limit, hold them. And you have that game to offer them. Mm -hmm. And they'll find their way into that game, even if you tell them to go take a hike. And that's ultimately what it came down to, where it was just like, look, I have a game. If you want to play, play. If you don't, don't. I have other people who will happily take the seat. 
and suddenly things started running a lot more smoothly. And that's very critical. Like that's the way the industry as a whole should treat this, right? We 100% should give back to those who contribute to the community the most, particularly the losing players. Like rake back is very critical for them. Um, You know, giving them comps or other means of uh, compensating them whenever they're playing, be it live or online or whatever the case may be, is very, very important to the ecosystem. But what you don't want to get in the habit of is saying like, I can't do this thing that is very good industry-wide because it might set off a handful of guys who are pumping up the economy. Mm. That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, this happened a lot like in New York City, PlayStation was a big underground game Mm. and very well known. And it only got bigger when it came out like A-Rod was there. It was like, oh, like this is now a legendary place, right? Of course, I went down f- briefly after that. But it was like the buzz of like who runs PlayStation? Like who who gets these contacts? Like all of a sudden PlayStation became the like place, right? Yeah. Very similar, right? This can happen if A-Rod goes on WSOP.com in Nevada and plays famous Matt Berkey, super high roller. It was a big thing, right? I mean, you could be you could be on ESPN again. Yeah, like stuff like that could move needles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that that's likely to happen, but I also think that if we take that luxury of anonymity away from people, you know, they might be hesitant at first to sign up, but once they get involved, they're involved. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's no turning back. Kevin Hart doesn't try to be anonymous whenever he plays poker. For sure, for sure. Yeah. So I think that he's a party poker ambassador now. Yeah, I saw that. Party poker is making some moves, man. It's their so okay, I I kind of agree. I I'm I'm in favor of the real names. I think I think a lot of us are just trying to potentially protect the people that lose because that does make sense. Like if you're down a million dollars on like nobody wants nobody wants that negative attention of like, oh. Yeah, okay, so if you're a site don't release P&L. Yeah, that seems like a good right? Like that seems the ba- the way to do it. Yeah. Like why is that public knowledge? It's not. It's yeah. not right now. Like you don't know who the biggest loser is on WSOP. Mm. None of us do. I mean, we could take guesses, right? But like, there's no high stakes poker DB like there used to be. You can't data mine. You can't, you know, extrapolate it from the hand histories or anything like that. They don't allow it. I think all of these are positive moves in the direction of protecting online poker. Yeah, that actually gives protection to the special players. Yeah, not releasing PNLs, and I also think it's just like more real, right? If I was a if I was a recreational player and I wanted to play. I don't want to play against some screen name that I don't know. Like, I want to know this guy's name. Yeah. Like, I was like, okay, like this is Christian. Like, and it's like, oh, I'm on because Christian's on. You know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like whatever yeah. you develop relationships and, yeah. with people and things like that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think that maybe that's that's the move. Maybe that's the move that gets Berkey to be an online professional poker player. No, no chance. You're real people, man. Mm, not doing it. I think I think you like it. I do not like playing online. <laughs> I, I don't like it one bit. Uh, it's been torturing my soul, despite being effectively break even throughout all this. I think being effectively break even is also what's torturing my soul. You you, you feel like you deserve better. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I see what's happening, man. I see the mistakes, and it's not that I'm not making mistakes myself. It's just they are so egregious. But you know, it's tournaments, and like, how sure. big of a mistake can you make? It's a short sample size. You can always you can always say that. Okay. To end this podcast, we're gonna do five questions. Okay. Five little lightning questions. Quick. No no elaborate Matt Berkey monologues. Is that that's something? Okay. It's easy. Don't give me that look. Okay. Can people eat once a day? Yes or no? Yes. Who's your favorite player to play against besides me? um probably oscar oscar oscar's good how many episodes of the podcast will we see like in eternity Mm. hundreds wow people wanted to know would you rather be rich or famous um rich for sure though i don't really i don't really care about either Mm, wow would you 
dress up as a woman at LAPC for $10,000. Like, I have to play the event? Yeah. Dressed up in drag? Not as a woman, okay? Well, I'm a man, so it would be drag. <laughs> yes, yeah, $10,000 cash. So I effectively get the free roll of the event to just one day or the entirety of the event? Mm, that wasn't specified. But now, I guess, if you pass through day one, then more days. But yeah, uh, you free roll the event. I mean, then- honestly, it seems better to play the whole event <laughs> dressed up in drag than it does just one day. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would definitely. Wow, you heard it here? You heard it here, people. Super chat is going to be open on the stream. <laughs> the Patreon's coming out. If we get $10,000 next March, Berkey will be dressed up in some nice heels. <laughs> and he'll just get in there. I'll be one ugly <laughs> fucking woman. You might have to shave. I don't know. I'll, I would <laughs> shave for sure. Wow. I didn't think you were going to do that one, Berkey. Why? I don't know. It seemed like. I don't embarrass easily. That doesn't bother me at all. All right, well, 10K, dress up as well. I might do it for five. I don't know. Um, all right, well, that was pretty good. I think you, I think you crushed that one. I thought you were going to say for our golf on. To play against? Mm. She tortures me, man. She has a set every fucking time we play a hand. We already went through this. People don't bluff. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I hope you all enjoyed this episode, episode number 46 of the Solve for Why vlogcast. $10,000. You get Matt Berkey in women's attire. In your favorite tournament, I'm gonna. I'm, we should promote that, mm. you know, like the 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 venues. Do I look like know? some fucking dog and pony <laughs> show to you. <laughs> you just travel the circuit, free rolling all the tournaments. I hope you all enjoyed the show, and we'll be back next week.